Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. Hey, Jesse, what you got in that sack? Well, Mr. Rubin, sir, I wanted to be completely ready for my first day of training to be a coal air technician. Okay, so what did you bring? Well, I got this hammer. Right, what else? An adjustable wrench, five screwdrivers, cutting torch. Careful with that. Got an anvil, jackhammer, a canary, of course. All the basics, I get it. Wait, a canary? Yes, sir, Mr. Rubin, sir. But why a canary? Just in case of a gas leak. Saw that on National Geographic. Very thorough, Jesse. But you don't need to bring your own tools. I don't? We got you covered. Every coal air truck is fully stocked. Equipment, spare parts, tools, everything you need to handle an HVAC service call. Thank goodness. Think I'm allergic to songbirds. Call Coal Air because we care. Visit callcolair.com. I like the bird. He's kind of cute. She, sir. License number 6249C. Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast. Dave Young uh, alongside Stephen Semple. And Stephen, the topic that you just told me is uh, Beauty Blender. Yes. I have no idea. You said this one would probably stump me, and you're absolutely right. The thing that popped into my head was, because you're Canadian and you said Beauty Blender, my only thought was Beauty Blender, eh? She's a beauty, eh? She's a beauty, eh? <laughs> a beauty, eh? <laughs> Canadians. I don't know if it's a Canadian product or not, but it... It ought to be. Probably not. I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the Beauty Blender. So Beauty Blender was started by Ray Ann Silva, and it's this teardrop-shaped sponge that's used for applying makeup. Now, to wet your whistle, why are we talking about a little sponge for applying makeup? She came up with this idea in 2001, and it's a privately owned company, but the best I could find is that they've sold... A hundred million sponges at 20 bucks a piece. Have I got your attention? Do they look like a little cone, like almost like an ice cream cone? Yeah, or like an egg. I've actually seen them or pictures of them or something like that. Yeah. Well, and look, when you come across something where you find out there's been a hundred million of these things sold at $20 a piece, when your competitive product is free, I'm like, okay. Yeah. You've got my damn attention. What the hell? Like, what the hell? I need yeah. to find out about this. So as I mentioned, it was founded by Rayanne Silva. And this is really a story of unexpected consequences and opportunities presented by new technology. Okay. That's what this is all about, which is what really also caught my attention. Because remember, in early 2000, HDTV came out. And for those of us who remember that coming out, it changed the world. Like... The step from high def to other things was not as dramatic as when high definition TV came out in terms of of this clarity. And it actually created a huge challenge for makeup because it was now so super clear that every pimple, every pore could be seen, right? Because all of a sudden it was just this extra unbelievable clarity. Yeah, we end up being too, too good. Yeah, in many ways, yes. And this created an opportunity because... Makeup folks were really struggling with what to do about this. It was this really big challenge. When, when, when Zoom started, and it's still this way, right? There's a setting on Zoom to en- enhance your face, enhance your appearance. 
Oh, is that right? Yeah, it, all it does is is it it just basically kind of does the same thing that I think this beauty brush does, which is smooth out the little wrinkles in your face and and actually blurs you just slightly so that people don't see the wretched look of your aged face. So basically it goes pre-HD TV. I'm taking us way off track. But so high def TV starts to show all the little flaws even in somebody that's that's well made up. Yes, and this is the problem. So in early 2000, Rayanne is working in Hollywood on the set of the show Girlfriends and she's trying to make makeup not show up. So she actually made this special tool. So she was taking sponges and clipping them and everything else. And, and she shaped one like a teardrop. It also had other properties that changed the world of makeup. But this is how it got developed in the first place. Because it was that that then allowed her to smooth out the transition of the makeup. This is how it got developed in the first place. But also how it moved from a niche professional product to a consumer product is also really interesting. Especially when you consider... Makeup comes with a little free sponge already. Right, yeah, it's already got that built yeah. in. So Rayanne was born to a working class family in Southern California in the 70s, and she had no direction as a teen. Her dad was a mechanic who raced cars and bikes, and her mom was a waitress. And the mindset of the family was, you have to have a trade. No one in the family had gone to college. You got to have a trade. Mm -hmm. So the mom encouraged her to join a fashion school. So she signed her up for the Fashion Institute of Design and merchandising in California. And her mom was super fashionable and she thought this was a good idea and her mom took out a loan for her to go to school. So while in school, Rayanne got a job selling perfume. And so basically when you sell perfume, you dress up in high heels and spray people with perfume. You ambush people at, in the department store. And that's exactly how she worded it. And she said, you know, this is a great way to live a solitary life. <laughs> <laughs> so she realized this is a terrible job. She was sick of perfume. It was a minimum wage. She was pissing people off while walking around in the high heels. Meanwhile, she looked over at the cosmetic counter and she saw people laughing. It's a positive experience. Plus, they were making, you know, they were making commish, right? They were making okay, money. Okay, yeah, yeah. So she said, I need to go there. And she convinced someone to hire her. And at the same time, she moved into an apartment in California where she met a makeup artist. And in the makeup business, you either do retail or production. And to her, production looked exciting, and she learned there was good money, so she decided she wanted to do that. Now, at the time, she was a single mom, so she needed to make a living, and that looked good to her. It was a hard business to break into because producers had their people. Actors had their people. Okay, so when you say you have to go into production, you're talking about movie and TV production. Correct. Not producing cosmetics. No, but, correct. But everybody has somebody. But everybody has somebody, but it's the early 80s. And what launched in the early 80s? I want my MTV. This is why you're so brilliant, Dave. Absolutely correct. And if people want to listen to the story of MTV, go back to episode 88. And now everybody's making music videos. Suddenly, there was all sorts of musicians who were on the first time were on camera and yeah. did not have their people. So she would find out where music videos were being shot, and she would just show up with her stuff. Nice. And sometimes she would say they hadn't even thought about the fact that they needed a makeup artist, right? So she started to do lots of musical artists, and she got known in the music industry, and she started doing them for videos and photos. And over the years, her skill set up 
a ton. And she's doing lots of makeup. She's making six figures, but she's away from her kid a lot. And she has to be mm-hmm. on site. It's exhausting and a lot of pressure. You have to be there all day. Yeah, you're touching people up all day too, right? It's not, it's not just done. And this is the breakthrough, is exactly the touch-up thing. She took a class, and what she learned was the importance of water on a sponge for applying makeup. You actually want a little mm. bit of water on mm-hmm. the sponge because it basically it makes it so that the makeup is not absorbed by the sponge. It's actually repelled by the sponge, so it's easier to apply. And so along comes HDTV in 2000. It changes the makeup challenges, as we were talking about, because you're needing to get this seamless look. Now, here's the thing. You can get a seamless look with an airbrush, Mm. but you can't run a compressor during a shoot. So how do you do touch-ups? Yeah. So she took a sponge and started to play with the shape. So she made these sponges with no edges to them. And at the same time, she was also thinking about how she needed to find other ways to make money because it was hard to keep up the schedule. And so she created this sponge and she realized others are going to need this tool. This is the future because high def is happening more and more and more. And so originally the idea, this was just going to be an industry tool. So she started to research makeup sponges. And as she traveled around the world, she would collect sponges Hmm. and see where they were made, who distributed it, all that stuff, right? Because that's all on the packaging, made by, distributed by, right? Yeah. And one day she picked up one made by Victoria Vogue, who turned out were in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and they made beauty implements that included sponges. So what did she do? She called them up and asked to speak with someone in product development because she said, I have an idea. Yeah. Hold, please. (laughs) (laughs) So she eventually gets a hold of someone, but here's what she's told. Rianne, we have over 400 patents. We are likely already know what you're doing. Mm. But Rianne, you know, she was persistent. She said to her, who designed your makeup sponges, product engineers or makeup artists? And it turns out they had never worked with a makeup artist. So she said to him, well, if you've never worked with a makeup artist, maybe you need to listen to me. I was like, okay, what's your idea? Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Hey, Rick, how's it going? Okay, fine. (laughs) That doesn't sound okay. Well, what is it? My business. What about it? You probably wouldn't understand. Hit me. Well, you know I love it. But? My revenues have flatlined and I'm not growing anymore. Okay. Well... It's frustrating and depressing, and it was so much better when we were growing. Oh, I bet it was. And nothing I've tried has moved the needle. What about talking to Steven? Steven who? You know, the guy that hosts this podcast. Really? You think he could help? I hear he runs a paid-for-performance marketing agency. I wonder how that works. Why don't you ask him how? Book one of those free starter sessions on the podcast website. I don't know. You can't say you've tried everything. If you don't try this. You're right. I might even learn something. I bet you do. Thanks, man. Let's go grab a bite. Yeah, sounds good. Right after you call Steven. Okay, okay. Book your starter session on this podcast website. Just visit theempirebuilderspodcast.com and click on Get Started. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. So they go through the whole NDA process, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, why did we not think of this? Because you're not makeup artists. Because you're not makeup artists. And at the time, Rianne was looking for a collaboration, and what she was actually hoping is that they would just license from her. Mm. And they weren't interested in doing that. So when you think about it, a lot of these challenges sound like Leatherman, right? Yeah. Developed something and he just wanted to license it. But all was not lost. There was a lady there, Catherine Bailey, who basically really liked the idea and she was told she could work on it, like in her basically spare time and ended up becoming a labor of love. And it took him several years to get it right. 
Like it was actually several years of development to get the shape right, get the material and the sponge right. Rayanne invested $75,000 into this. Wow. She mortgaged her house. Like, like you look at that and you don't realize, wow, it took years to make this and tens of thousands of dollars of investment. Then one day they had it right. And what she started to do was give samples to makeup artists that she knew. Just mm-hmm. started off giving them away. Because she had lots of credibility with them. They were members of her tribe. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a lot like how Innovate got started back in mm-hmm. episode 37. You know, I'm a trail runner. You're a trail runner. Try out my trail running shoes, right? Yeah. And then she also started to sell it to pro stores because, again, she had credibility with them. She had a relationship with them. Her customers knew them. Next thing you know, consumers started to look for it. Somehow consumers found out about this. So she went to her pro stores. So she said, okay, I do want to sell to consumers. So she went to the pro stores and asked them, who's your favorite sales rep? And I thought this was brilliant. And then she went to that sales rep and hired that sales rep to sell her product. So what they first decided to do is they wanted to do small boutiques because the product cost 20 bucks competition was free but in small boutiques they could it was easier to spend time with the salespeople. typically the salespeople had conversations with the customer so they felt it was much easier to get that education and an engagement piece done in small boutiques and then in 2012 sephora and ultra wanted to sell her product but what she felt was being rooted in the pro community really helped her because consumers and influencers you know are are influenced by the pros. Especially in beauty and, and, and those lines, right? It's like, oh, who did some famous star's makeup, right? What, is the, what does the famous starlet use? Starlet. Exactly. That's not even a word anymore. Um, <laughs> no, 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 it's not. Come on. No, a YouTuber, right? <laughs> and, and but this, is, this, is, this is like the, the definition of influencers. Yeah, and she moved on to start a makeup line as well and she has an interesting story about how she invested $2 million in a launch and screwed up the launch, but still managed to still managed to sell it out. But the big thing that she recognized even on the screw up of the one launch was it set up conversations. And anytime you're having conversations with your customer, even if it's explaining a mistake, it's a good thing. They sure. now have a full line of complexion products. And here's the other fun thing is she still owns 100% of the company. There's no nice. side investment. Yeah. And how many has she sold? A gazillion million of them? Oh, well, this is just of the beauty blender. She's sold, or uh, like the sponge, she's, it's estimated 100 million okay. of them. And then now she has all these other product lines as well. So she's doing okay. She's doing okay. But, you know, the thing I found interesting, I couldn't help but think of Buck Duke and American Tobacco. In terms of this unexpected opportunity due to the change in technology. Yeah. So the industrial revolution opened up that opportunity because of the 15-minute work break for cigarettes instead of pipes and yeah. cigars. Oh, yeah, yeah. HDTV opened up this opportunity for a new beauty product. But not only that, MTV opened up the opportunity for her to even get into the business. Because it brought more people in into the uh, into the the lights. It brought into the lights and the cameras. Right. All of a sudden, you had rockers, and you think about how many people are in some of those early music videos. Right. Old oh, yeah. dance numbers and things. So absolutely, and they didn't have their people. But what it got me thinking about is, you know, we are in a day today where there's massive amounts of technological change on all sorts of conversations of fear of that technological change or things along that lines. And 
what I want people to think about is there's these opportunities that are created on the margin of all of this technological change. It's not mm -hmm. about the direct impact of the Industrial Revolution or the direct impact of HDTV. It's these things that happen on the edge that create massive opportunities for new businesses and entrepreneurs. Yeah. And I think the more we can keep our eye open for those things, the more we have opportunity to grow our businesses and create new ideas. And because the, there's the, a lot of people looking at the, there's a lot of people, a lot of big money looking at the direct piece, but they're not yeah. looking at the edges. You know, it's, it's even hard to describe it sometimes, right? It's, it's like all of a sudden it's no longer good enough to look good at 10 or 15 feet away. Yeah, when it was being developed, no one thought about that. What kind of technological change is influencing your industry? And what, what do those changes mean, like you said, Stephen, out around the fringes? Uh, you know, sometimes the impact is direct and it's, you know, it's, it's a big impact. It's, I was going to say impactful. That, that would be very redundant. <laughs> um, the impact was impactful. Uh, but it's that edge. It's that outer edge. That's where it can start poking around and looking for, for ways that it's going to change things that you weren't anticipated. The more I looked into the story, the more I was like, wow, this is this was really cool. And I think a lot to lot to learn from Rayanne and so good for her. Rayanne, what what was her last name? Her last name, so it's Ray Ann Silva. Silva. Yeah, I just want to remember that. Yeah. Amazing woman. All right, thanks, David. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us, subscribe on your favorite podcast app, and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at theempirebuilderspodcast.com.